Welcome to the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. I'm Troy Skinner, your host and the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ. You can find me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Joined this week again by Daniel Razvi and Elijah Dirksen. Uh, Daniel Razvi, of course, he's become a familiar voice to you, I, I hope, after uh, these many months of him being on the show pretty regularly. He's one of the pastors at a church that meets in Thurmont and uh, also involved with a ministry that's called... Um, Conquered by Love Ministries, conqueredbylove.org is their website. Uh, Elijah Dirksen is uh, not a pastor yet, but maybe one day. He is in seminary and is uh, pursuing a Master's of Divinity degree at a school in Florida, even though he lives in uh, Iowa and is presently in Maryland. So you can... You can Very confusing, lo long story of how I got here. Yeah, you can figure all that out <laughs> later. So... <laughs> Anyway, we've been talking. Uh, we don't typically do the same exact panel talking about the uh, very, very much the same exact related topics six shows in a row. But here we are, and part of the reason is uh, I think it, it exemplifies the challenges. The reason we're tackling the issue that we are is because people are fighting about what they mean by Christian nationalism. Somebody calls somebody a theonomist, and they say, "Oh yeah, well so are you." Yeah, what do you mean by it? You know, and, and uh, it gets confused with sacralism and uh, theocracy and, um, you know, we, we, what do we mean by Christian nation and Christian nationalism? And, and, there's, and it's, it's related, as, as we talked about last week and the week before that a little bit, too, it's related to how you view the end of time, your eschatological view, when you think Jesus is coming back and what that all means, what the implications of that are. It's, it's all over the place. It touches on so many different areas of disagreement within the church, and we're talking past each other. And we were going to have, in my mind anyway, we were going to have last week's show be the last show on, on these matters for now anyway with this panel. And it just felt like we drifted into a morass the last five, ten minutes. Like it just kind of just came unglued. And I think it's because we just couldn't quite get our heads wrapped around what the other person was really meaning to say. And, <laughs> and I think that becomes an, uh, a real practical example of how hard this is. So why are we talking about this? One, it's interesting, right? It's in social media, it's in the news. We managed, you know, Dennis Prager waited in with a really silly take and all that. So there's those. Those are the kinds of things we might talk, those are the kinds of reasons we might talk about something anyway. I don't know if you guys agree with me exactly, but for me, this is a pressing issue. Oh, yes. I feel similar and actually maybe even stronger about this the way I felt a few years ago when the whole CRT thing was going crazy. Mm. Now, critical race theory was, was undercutting... Uh, the truth of the gospel was, was substituting the actual gospel with a social justice false gospel. So we're fighting for the gospel. And so at, in a pecking order of important things, that's more important than what we're talking about these last few weeks. But here's the difference. What was going on a, la uh, a few years ago is you had a bunch of wolves in sheep's clothing and we were able to call them out. And all the, the actual sheep and the faithful shepherds were able to whip things together and, and, and come together and... and what we rallied around the gospel and the secondary issues didn't matter as, as much in that moment, and we exposed the false teachers. And so now we kind of know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. It was a moment of clarity, and there was a lot of good that came out of that. Now here we are a few years later, and who is fighting with who? It's not the false teaching heretic you know, leftist, quote-unquote, pastors fighting with faithful biblical pastors. No, it's faithful biblical pastors, faithful biblical Christians fighting amongst themselves. 
-hmm. And that is incredibly dangerous because there's, there is, by definition, unity in Christ, and we're not behaving like it. And we can't figure this out. We can't, and we, we haven't figured it out exactly, but hopefully we've modeled it in such a way where we're being direct, you know, or, or, or as direct as we can figure out how to articulate ourselves. We're not trying to be evasive. We're not trying to play games. We're not calling each other names. We're not going ad, hom ad hominem, you know. We're, we're trying to grapple with what does the scripture say? What does, what does the Bible really teach us? What, does, what has the church historically thought about these things? We're trying to grapple with those kinds of things. And even if we agree, even if we disagree, we can find some areas of agreement, maybe, and we can hang our hats on those. Uh, even if, but even if we don't, even if we're just like disagreeing across the board, we can at least say, you know what? I think you're just flat wrong. I can't agree with you. However, I know you're a Christian brother. And so I love you, and we'll continue these dialogues as long as it takes. And if we never quite figure it out, well, God will figure it all out, you know? And that's not the attitude that we're seeing. I mean, there are people I highly respect. And I'm not, I don't want to get into, to, in this context, I'm not going to name names, because uh, when it comes to false teachers, I'll name names all, all day long, but when it's uh, Christian brothers embarrassing themselves, I'm a little more reticent to, to name names. But we've had a number of uh, highly, in my view anyway, highly respected Christian brothers who have been embarrassing themselves on social media. And I find that very disheartening, actually, because we're, we're <laughs> whether you think this is the worst moment in human history or not, it's a bad moment in, in, in history. We're, we're in a fight for Western civilization, in my view. I, I kind of feel like it's almost a, <laughs> a lost cause, but we're fighting for our lives here. Well, don't say that. And we're post-millennial. Exactly, right? <laughs> but, but we are fighting for our... our I'm a little hyperbolic here, but we're, we're fighting for our lives here, and we're, we, we formed a circular uh, firing squad. And bad guys are shooting at each other. I mean, uh, good guys are shooting at each other as though they're bad guys. It's very disheartening. So that's why we're having this discussion. And so I don't know if we can end this week's show any better than we ended last week's show. But I think a way to try to do that is with keeping in mind the idea of the commonalities we have as the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. What are some paths forward that we, even though we've disagreed pretty significantly over the last five shows. We found some areas of agreement, too, though, right? right. What are some paths forward, if the three of us were to kind of set the tone for others, what would we suggest that we do moving forward to navigate the troubled waters and to navigate the debate and dialogue that's taking place on these things? What do you think? What's the, the godly, biblical way for us to press forward in Christian love, respecting one another, being humble, realizing we don't have all the answers ourselves. God has the answers, and we've got to figure out what he's telling us and then be obedient to that. How do we get there? How do we stop all the sniping at one another online, for example? Generally, the, the situation with, I don't know if you're specifically talking about theonomy or not, it's a matter of ethics. What laws do we think the government should follow? And that is continuously being tra changed and transformed as we're working together. This is I don't think this is an issue to divide people on. I think that we can both be Christian brothers and both have different opinions about what laws the government should follow if the, a Christian was in government. But I think working, God working through his people is going to refine his church and lead us to the truth. So we, we can, for lack of a better word, we can agree to disagree, but we should still work towards that goal of finally understanding what it is that we're supposed to be working towards. And you should find a commonality on the core doctrines of what are um, 
in uh, what makes you a Christian. And if we agree that you're saved and I'm saved and you're saved, and then that's what holds us together. And then these other disagreements, they're not as important. They are important to discuss, but they're not as important uh, for in order for us to present a united face to the world. Um, and 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 there is a little bit of danger because there is a, a, a the ecumenical movement, which basically accepts people of many different faiths who aren't necessarily Christians at all. Um, but I think within Christen, Christendom, as you said, or Christianity, um, the core doctrines of salvation, of, and we went through some of those the last several months on statements of what is it that Christians believe. Here are some of the, like the Chicago statement said, here's what Christians actually believe. And if you're in agreement with that statement, there's many different denominations within that, and they have all sorts of different views on how to make the world a, a more Christian place. Um, but that's that's where we start. And to be perfectly honest, at least not for the foreseeable future, we don't have to deal with this practically. We don't have a new nation rising up right now that we need to figure out how we're going to govern it. I think individual people who are governing should figure it out, figure out how they should honor God best by doing their performing their duties but right now we're not in the position to create our own government we're not in the position the founders were in when they created our government um we should certainly be prepared for that but it's not an issue that is we shouldn't run around with our hair on fire trying to fix it at the expense of unity right now yeah and you just helped remind me of something i've actually been articulating and fighting for a lot and advocating for a lot in different spheres, maybe not so much on the Faith Debate show, so I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the show before or not. Uh, if, if, if I have, it's been a while, I think. Um, we're spending so much energy, you know, fighting with what was um, referred to a couple of shows ago as like, it's like an academic exercise in your head because practically speaking, we're not in a position to affect any of this, so it's, we're just arguing to argue, maybe, I don't know. And the concern pastorally is that we're expending so much energy on things that aren't going to actually have a practical effect to the diminishment of where we actually can have a practical effect or at least not a practical effect right now exactly in my in my opinion it would have a practical effect in the long almost haul. certainly but we're not going to change the government of the united states tomorrow right but we as christians can live a better christian life tomorrow than we did today we can work towards that. We can have an effect on our lives. And then we can have an effect on our families' lives, particularly as men, where we're the spiritual leaders in our home. We can have an effect there. And then we can get uh, involved in making our local church uh, better at being biblical and better at being faithful and teaching what the, what the full counsel of God. And we can hold our, uh, one another to, to account and we can be iron sharpening. Our, those are things we can do now. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing those things if we're, you know, talking in the abstract all the time. And if we do those things, if I work at becoming a better Christian, you be work at be becoming a better Christian, and your family, therefore, is working at becoming a better Christian, and the church, <laughs> I'll come back to that in a second, is, is, is better at being Christian, then you do eventually make the kind of progress that the post-millennialists are, are counting on and, 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 and trying to lay the, the, the seedbed for. So I totally get that. I think that faithful Christians are doing that already. I, I would like to argue that the three people that have been part of this panel for the last six weeks are, are working to be Christian men and to lead Christian families and are active in their Christian church. But there's mm -hmm. not enough of us, and we've allowed too many 
synagogues of Satan <laughs> to masquerade as the Christian church. The church has got, we've got to, we're not going to fix the government until we fix the church. Mm-hmm. So I think we'd be better, practically speaking, to figure out how do we get the church uh, on the right track? Because then we have Christians running things in the government eventually, right? Because Christians I, are going to elect Christians. I agree completely. The The church is what dictates what culture is. And cult, I think some someone said it, the... Um, Faith is upstream from culture. What we believe, our fundamental worldview, is going to impact culture. And culture is going to impact people. So it starts with the Great Commission. You need to witness to people. And God is the one that does the saving, but he's doing it through your witnessing in most cases. And one person at a time, you all individually are getting saved. And as there are more and more saved people, then they are going to start to change culture. Um, if there's enough of them. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not a top-down br- approach. It's you change, you change people, people change churches, churches change the state. That, that's, that's how God's kingdom has always grown. God's government has always grown. Yeah, and the kingdom and, and, uh, and uh, God's government grows whether or not the state changes, actually. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I, and so you agree, so that's, that's good. Um, so as a, as a charge to you, listener, if you're agreeing with the sentiment here that, you know, the world's not in a great place right now, we certainly could do better at the very least. Um, our political leaders uh, are not behaving as as uh, Christians would uh, would have them. No, really. You know, I, I think <laughs> I think it's it's safe to go at least that far. Um, and so, something. But our churches are not being faithful. Not pro- not proclaiming the gospel. We're not discipling. Right. We're 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 not engaging. How many times? Uh, I, I think you. Got, well, I'm going to let you guys off the hook because this isn't trying to be a gotcha. I'm talking to the listener. How many times have you met somebody and you've come to find out? Oh, they're not a Christian, and maybe they don't even understand what the gospel is. I should tell them. How often does that thought even enter your head? And if it does, in those rare occasions when it does, how often do you actually tell them? We got to start there. Don't you remember the Vodibachum's 11th commandment? Thou shalt be nice. <laughs> Don't want to tell people, tell people that they're going to hell. They might be upset with you. Yeah, the problem is it's not very nice to let people go to, go to hell, right? right? I think there is a fantastic, unrealized potential in the gospel. We are given spiritual weapons. We're, we're, we don't war according to the flesh. And God says those weapons are mighty for tearing down strongholds, tearing down arguments and every thought, every high thing that exalts itself against God. We have that in our arsenal. Why aren't we using it? And, and, and I'm not trying to you know, pick on the listener right now, but I, I'm telling you, if, if you've got a sensitive heart, this should convict you to, to, uh, to, to a better path forward. Honestly, ask yourself, particularly if you're listening to a radio sense like this, I, I think I know what some hot button things. Honestly, ask yourself, have you talked to people about your firm commitment that the government had no right forcing people to put a face covering on? Have you had those conversations with your neighbors ever? Or how about the mandates to get the shots? Have you talked about that because you feel passionately about it? You think it's an important issue and you're, you're going out of your way to, to, to enter into those, those dialogues? Or how about pushing back against... Uh, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, critical race theory and, and all that crazy wokeness. Have you talked about those sorts of things? 
Why? Because they're important to you, right? Have you talked about what they're teaching your kids in school? And you're out there on the public square advocating for better instruction in the government-run schools. And this circles right around back to theonomy. But you're not because talking about the, the gospel. The reason why we can challenge abortion, the reason why we can challenge um, critical race theory is because it's antithetical to the Bible. We govern our lives by what the Bible says. And because of that, we can stand against these things. Otherwise, we have no basis for doing that. But if all we're going to talk about as God's people, all we're going to talk about is abortion and government overreach and maybe stolen elections or whatever your hot button thing is because you want things to be right and righteous and just and you're going to be at, if that's all we do we're not behaving as christians we're behaving as moralists the gospel isn't moralistic it's moral but it's not moralistic right we, we're moral out of gratitude for the gift that god has given us and we're not talking about that gift like we're we're we're, we're ignoring the most important thing it's like you're introducing you know uh, somebody who walks into your house, you're introducing the people that you know, and you never get around to introducing them to the most important person in your life. You, you never introduce them to your wife, in our cases. You know, you introduce them to the neighbors, the mailman, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, the visitor from out of town, but you're never talking about the thing that's most important. We've got, mm -hmm. so that, you, you got, <laughs> I'm preaching a little bit, I guess. Do you believe it? Is it good news in your life? Do you believe it? If the answer to that question is yes, you could prove it by telling me a time when recently you told somebody about it. Hmm. If, if, if you knew how you could help everybody you know become a millionaire tomorrow because you had this great insight and you were going to tell everybody you cared about, about how they become a millionaire, you'd probably tell them. I, I would encourage people just to, to try it because a lot of times they're... People are intimidated by the fear of the unknown, the fear that I'm going to mess it up. Paul, the, probably the greatest preacher of all time, was someone who said, I don't know how to talk very good. Outside of Jesus. You know. Outside of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're in that, con that conversation, that situation, God's going to tell you what to say. You're, God's going to speak through you to cha potentially change someone's life. And I'm going to try to make it as easy. This is how, actually, we go through uh, role-playing and stuff at, at the, the church I lead. And we walk through, we practice sharing the gospel in a variety. I, I, I set a scenario, and then the person tries to figure out how to share the gospel in that context. And it's made us better at it. But if you want to make it really simple, you can actually share the, if you can remember this, you can share the gospel with one word, Jesus. Because it means God saves. So if you can just remember that, that is... That's not all it can be said, but that is the gospel. God saves. So Jesus in, is the gospel in one word. God saves the gospel in two words. So you can share the gospel. Talk about Jesus. Why are you talking about Jesus all the time? Because God saves. <laughs> That's it. You started the conversation, and they might ask you about your, what you believe about the Bible, and you might not feel equipped to answer those questions. Well, okay, then you go ask your pastor, you go read the Bible, you do some study, you come back later. So that, that's a really simple way. If you want to be more expansive, you want to get personalized, you're going to say, look, I can tell you the gospel in three words and, and make it personal to me. God saved me. <laughs> it's the gospel right. in three words. And, you know, if you believe God saves you, you can do it in three words. Uh, um, 
we're in the process of updating. By the time this airs, actually, our website might be uh, fully updated, and you can find gospel sharing um, tools and, and aids on householdoffaithinchrist.com. Actually, it just occurs to me. But if you want to check this out later, but basically, if you can remember that uh, the, the the basics of the gospel are that we have a Maker who is holy and righteous, and He made us in His image, so we have value, but we don't honor that image. We're, we're broken image bearers. We're sinful image bearers. And so there's a brokenness in that relationship. So we have a maker, but we're in rebellion in our sin against him. But there's a solution to that problem in Jesus Christ at the cross. And once you recognize the truth of that, you want to live your life in humble obedience to your king. And you're enabled to do that by God's provision of the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And one day, however your eschatological view is, one day there is an eternity of glory forever where Christ shares with those who are his people everything that is his. So we have a maker. We're sinners against that maker. But we have a savior to solve the problem for that sin. Out of gratitude, we want to live a righteous life. And eventually... All the bad things that we're worried about in this world go away. If you can remember those those five things, you Amen. can share the gospel. So Absolutely. we've got like, uh, look at this, maybe three-ish minutes left in the show. So uh, is there anything that we haven't covered the last six shows you feel should be said before we wrap up? Can you think of anything that's on your heart or on your mind? You're like, ooh, we didn't get to that. Not don't start another five hour debate. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> you're making a point. I mean, the the, the priority should be the gospel, and. I mean, there is something to be said for discipling believers. And so there are really two things as you, you as a believer should be doing if you're saved. One is to save other people through God. God, God, is, God is the one saving you and through you. Um, but the second thing is to disciple other believers. And if you're a woman, disciple other women. If, if you're a man, disciple people that are younger in the faith than you and, and or fellowship and sharpen each other. So that does bring up these theological debates and discussions. So there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing one to the exclusion of the other, that's the problem. Uh, but it is, both are very important. And some people are called more to disciple others than they are to witness. And some people call more to witness than to disciple others. But we're all called to do both of these things. And if you are a believer, you're going to be uh, bringing new people into the church and building up and growing the church from within as well. Uh, and I think I think that's that is important. So doctrine does matter. And it's not just the gospel. You can't live on milk alone. You need you need meat eventually. Um, and and so I think that that is is important to make sure we have to sync that and make a distinction. Yeah. How about you, Elijah? Anything you want to add, or we've, you feel like Daniel just nailed it? I he stuck I, that I, I landing. Agree. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree too, Lee. And you know the the, the discipleship thing. It has to be. It, it, you know, it's about being a student and learning. Right. That's what's really going on there. So part of why we don't share the gospel, part of why we don't disciple is because we're not students. We're not learning ourselves. So if it seems hard to you, like, oh, my gosh, these pastors or the future pastor that's on the panel, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're pushing me to try to do something that's out of my comfort zone. Well, it's out of your comfort zone maybe because you're not actually in the Word. Maybe because you're not actually on your knees uh, seeking the face of God and, and, and seeking his guidance and wisdom on things. Because if you're in the word and you're, and you're recognizing the fact that you, as a believer in Christ, have the, the Holy Spirit indwelling you, he will give you the words. And they might not be articulate words, but they'll be the words that are needed in that moment. And you might be sloppy and embarrassed how you said it, but maybe that's exactly how God's going to choose to use you the in Holy, that moment. The Holy Spirit doesn't need magic words to start working. He, he just needs... He doesn't need anything. He needs... God needs you to be faithful in discipling 
all and, the people around. And the last thing I want to say is that if you don't share the gospel and you don't do the work of discipleship and all that sort of stuff, you are just missing out on incredible blessing. Amen. And my heart is for you to feel blessed and to have blessing in your Amen. life. So anyway, the two amens came from Daniel Razvi and uh, Elijah Dirksen. Uh, you can find Daniel uh, at um, conqueredbylove.org. You can find me, Troy Skinner, at householdoffaithinchrist.com. You can find those gospel aids, uh, sharing aids there too, householdoffaithinchrist.com. I want to thank you so much for listening. This has been a great conversation over like six weeks worth of shows. Uh, hopefully you, listener, gained something from it. If nothing else, you saw how... Christians can agree to disagree sometimes, do so stridently even, but come to a resolution that recognizes the unity that believers in Christ have in the person of Jesus Christ. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from right now, God bless.